have turned into Remote Control's latest episode. Listen in as the GCRN crew talks TV from 2000 to now, with pilot and season premiere episodes, finishing finales, and season passes as well. Now get ready to change the channel with your remote control as we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of television. All from the GeekCast Radio Network, we are all remote controlled. Okay, I'm ready. Suits on? Yes, ma'am. Your birthday suit. Only one I've got. <laughs> How could you possibly want me right now? In any state, my wife, you arouse me. I bet I can make that go away. There's nothing you can change. My water just broke. Yep. Yeah. Today. You don't look 36. This is the biggest moment of your life. Now, which one are you just pregnant? I'm sorry, guys. I need a cut. Kevin, I know you care about the character. I do care about the so Say the line or find another job. I found him. My father. Looking good. You hear that, baby? We got a boy. He's not right. Some oxygen for her, please. So, what's happening? Your wife is in distress, Jack. 36 years ago, you left me at the front door of a fire station. Tell me to wake the hell up. Tell me to lose the damn weight. We lost the third baby, but you have two healthy children, Jack. In the night sky. There's so much they hold. I quit. Screw you. You want to meet your grandchildren? There is not a single day that goes by that I don't think of the child I lost. Go see your babies. They're excited to meet their father. I think maybe they got a good one. Hey, you want to be fat friends? I can't fall for a fat person right now. I guess I'll lose the weight then. Welcome to Remote Control here on the GeekCast Radio Network and This Week in Geek. I'm, of course, TF2 and Mike. And uh, we're taking a break from Breaking Bad, folks, because that series, Ryan, Uneven, Flo Merkley, and I have been doing that one here on Remote Control, and that series really takes a lot out of you. So we're trying to do something a little bit more fun, and I have returning, uh, she is now Jennifer Kaufman, instead of Jennifer Bragg, because she got married <laughs> between the time we did the Mr. Robot episode and now. So welcome, ma'am. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. That's right. And we're here to talk about NBC's new hit series, This Is Us. We're going to be talking about the first five episodes. We'll go over the when it airs, the main plot line, and the cast, and all that good stuff, and everything else. Um, but yeah, I looked back, and I'm like, when was the last time she was on one of these things? I'm like, oh my god, it was two years ago. 
didn't see how long, but it was. It was, uh, it was the yeah, robot it was, we were talking about, right? Yep, yep. Oh. Uh, and a buddy of mine who does a local radio morning show, Jesse Raz, I had, um, they were talking about, he and his co-host MJ, they were, she and he were talking about uh, TV shows that, that they like and things like that. And she's one of those that enjoy the, you know, blood-soaked revenge shows or, you know, stuff like that. And he's like, no, I, I prefer, you know, the, the emotional torture of This Is Us. And I'm like, I've heard of this show. And I called it, I'm like, This Is Us is emotional torture. He's like, dude, you have no idea. It'll make you cry. And I'm like, yeah, okay whatever uh <laughs> so i told him i said all right well generally i give any new television show at least five episodes um and i asked him i said is that going to be enough for me to give the show an overall kind of review for you he goes yeah it should be fine so i call in and i'm like okay so i've watched the first five episodes i've taken notes on it there are certain things that shocked me certain things that you know but I didn't cry over the damn show. At least not yet, anyway. For the first. Oh, we'll, have to talk well about that. yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. But it's like, you know, he was like, oh my god, this is ripping my heart out. And I'm like, no, dude. Kit falling into an acid pit in 1980s Night Rider rips my heart out, not this show. What? Are you kidding me? This, this is. I mean, it's interesting that somebody called it emotional torture because. I would almost say the opposite. It's 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 a it's cathartic to me, and I think it kind of depends on your perspective. So for me, I like to feel, I like to cry, and I like to feel all the all the all the kind of the the depth of human emotion. And this show deliberately is like, let's talk about what it means to be human, how sad everything is, how happy, how poignant, how all of the kind of like, you know what does it mean to be human and, and have family and love and, and loss and all of that stuff. And, and it, it isn't for some people, and that's not a place they like to go. They prefer not to be, mm. I, I guess, tortured in that way. Um, <laughs> for others, they find it really cathartic to kind of, I guess you're like releasing all the stuff that you, uh, you experience that in a, in a, in a weirdly healthy way by, by letting it out through this show. Um, and for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's my, kind of emotional release every week i mean there is crying but i'm i'm cool with it <laughs> yeah and, and i'm fine with it i can cry over television shows this just isn't one of them yet and that's one of the points of us doing a take five episode here on remote control is that we look at the beginning part of the show the first five episodes and see if it's something we're going to stick with or not I, you know i you know it, it took all the self-control in the world for me not to watch episode six before we started recording this Good. and with you know the canadian skype difficulties i probably could have finished episode six that's, that's but true, that is. <laughs> <laughs> just so i can get some history on your on your uh, uh, obviously you you, told, you said you cried during night rider so that gives me a little well, of, a that was, of, idea of what makes you upset were you the kind of guy that that, get, that checked out shows like um like parenthood those kind of shows, because that's that's what I would like in this show too. The kind of the, these sort of family uh, family um, cry fest. Yeah, I've heard of Parenthood, but no, I missed the boat on that one. Um, I'm more when it comes to the family shows, it's more of like the comedies. Like I get it. In his early days, he was a monster, but that to me does not 
take anything away from the Cosby show and what I learned from that as a child. No, that you was... have to separate that from, I, I, I almost, I kind of give it like the Michael Jackson treatment. I just pretend that it only existed mm-hmm. after a certain point and then I ignore that anything happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. That's way to go. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, the Cosby show was something that, you know, it, it taught me, how, you know, you get a purple bag for people you do know at Halloween and a red bag for the strangers and all, you know, it, you know, it had all these little <laughs> life lessons in it and whatever else. So I'm more gravitate towards like the family comedies more than the family tragedies. I wouldn't say tragedy. I guess it's more family. Uh, oh God, what's the word for it? it it's uh, I can't think of it. It's a Melodrama. <laughs> yes. Melodrama would be fair. Melodrama would certainly be fair. I, I think cause it's, there's, it's certainly lighthearted in many aspects, but it's also, um, yeah, it's also very, uh, yeah. And, and I like the show. I'm not saying I don't like this show. I did enjoy what I was watching and I do have notes that I took that we'll go through a little bit later, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter what it is. If something is so popular that it just is in my face all the time and everybody's talking about it, I need to step back, walk away, and find it on my own after the popularity of it has died down. Like, I did not watch Jessica Jones immediately when it came out. I watched I watched Daredevil immediately. I watched Daredevil Season 2 immediately. I watched Luke Cage, like, a week after it was out. And then I had to go back to watch Jessica Jones because I skipped it, you know. Um, so that's the thing for me. It's like... I'm kind of breaking my own rule here of, you know, just, just, you know, leave it alone until it's, it's dead. Um, but I I find interesting about this, the popularity of this though is for me, it was a little bit inspiring because it did kind of come out of nowhere in that. I mean, it's a network show. It's got a big marketing push behind. It's not really fair to call it an underdog, but these days, you know, the things that become the hits or the phenomenons tend to have, tend to have a, a big, um, action edge or some kind of like creepy twist or something that's something that is a little less straightforward i mean we'll talk about how the show is a little bit twisty later but the fact that it's a straightforward family show about these people and their lives and that it's become such a hit in a day and age when let's face it not a lot of things hit big you know you have middling hits but you don't have a lot of scripted hits hits on network television that aren't you know csi um or uh, you know, some kind of procedural on CBS. So, so it was just kind of interesting and and fun for me to see this one hit. It it kind of made me want to watch it more. I guess I had the opposite reaction. I just was mm. like, oh, this is so cool that something well, that's just pure emotion is hitting people like this. Yeah, and like I said, once I started watching it, I wanted to watch more. I watched the between the time this will go up on uh, on Wednesday, the twenty second of March. Uh, between that time, the time we're recording it, and like the weekend before we recorded it, I watched the first five episodes within 72 hours of each other. But I watched the first two episodes, I watched the third episode, and then I watched four. And, so I, you know, I broke it up. I, I wasn't going to sit here and marathon the whole thing because that would just be way too much. Uh, and I had other things I had to do as well uh, to coincide. But it's one of those things where. Now that I've seen the first five episodes, I'll say right now, this probably is not a show that I'm going to drop, but it's one of those shows where, and I find for me with TV nowadays, unless, and this is sad, unless it's the CW superhero shows, I do not have an absolute need to watch it the next day. I pay for Hulu. I love Hulu and all that stuff. 
And I love that the next day episodes are there for a lot of the shows that I watch, like Shades of Blue, which is also on NBC, like 24 on Fox and APB on Fox and whatever else. But, like, it might take, like, 24 came out on Monday, I'm or last Monday. Yeah, it took me a week to watch last week's 24 episode. I just, I've got too much other stuff going on to where I still love television. I still love watching television, but because of the age of technology we live in now I don't feel the need to absolutely watch it when it's happening and hell I don't even have an actual TV I watch all the stuff on my computer so you know I'm the same if not worse I I actually I watched the first episode of This Is Us you know back when it came out but not right away I would say at least a couple days and then I stockpiled a bunch and and binged them at Christmas I'm actually programmed now I enjoy a show more when I've got at least you know, five to ten episodes to just kill in a day, mm-hmm. and I did that with the with uh, I would say the most of the first half of this series, and then I kind of did them maybe three or four episodes at a time until the finale. But um, but yeah, that that, that was quite an emotional day. <laughs> <laughs> quite an emotional day. Apparently so, uh, and and I will say another thing about this series. Uh, after my buddy Jesse told me about it, and I again I had heard about it, I had seen things on social media, but I didn't really pay attention I just knew people were talking about it so before I even watched it I did nothing I did not go on Wikipedia IMDB anything to because I wanted to I wanted to experience it almost like a cold open Mm -hmm. and the there are only three actors in this series that I know and that's really sad. And I almost forgot where the third guy, where I knew him from. So obviously, everybody knows Mandy Moore. Uh, Most well, everybody. Some people who who weren't who were alive in the '90s might not, or who were born in the '90s might not know Mandy Moore from you know her her pop star days before, and then you know subsequently a walk to remember. There's there's yeah. probably some people who are discovering this as teenagers who who don't really know who she is. There yeah. you go. And well, the other thing I remember for, from, and sadly, it only got one season. Stupid hell! Uh, was um, Red Band Society? She was one that of the doctors in that. Yeah, that was a great show. Uh, so I know her. Justin Hartley was Arrow at one point on Smallville. He was. <laughs> so I remember him. And Ron Cephas Jones is Bobby Fish from Luke Cage, and it took me like three of the five episodes to realize who the hell he actually was are you saying you did not know who milo ventimiglia was coming into this yep pretty much oh my god but the gilmore girls yeah that was a show that never that was the the gilmore girls to me is live action my little pony it's for girls what about heroes i never got heroes is a lame excuse for an x-men ripoff I liked the first season. They, they didn't do what they could have done with the show. But okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, he was in an episode of CSI in 2000. <laughs> who, was, who has not been in an episode of CSI or at least Law & Order? Like, I think that's kind of a rite of passage of everyone working in television in between yeah. getting their own series. They're going to be in an episode of probably Special Victims Unit or some, some CSI. That's kind of like what you got to do as an actor to just pay the bills in between. <laughs> How did I miss the fact that he was the ogre in Gotham back in 2015 for three episodes? Okay, then. Right. Yeah. Um, There's hmm. a lot of great actors in the series. I mean, uh, I know. Oh, absolutely. And of course, uh, 
Sterling K. Brown, who is probably one of the best surprises of this series, um, has had an incredible, you know, sort of year and a half before that because he was in the People versus O.J. Simpson, um, wow. playing Christopher Darden, um, the one of the prosecutors working with Marsha Clark, and he was fantastic in that. And I had just watched that earlier, so when I saw he was in this series, that was a, kind of a, a compelling reason for me to watch it. Um, and he recently uh, took home the Emmy for his role in The People versus O.J. Simpson. And and I just think he's, like, phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Yeah, I, now that I'm looking through his filmography here, I've seen him in a bunch of other things. Like, he was in Castle for an episode. He, he's one of those actors, and I, I'm not saying this to belittle any actor. I'm saying he's one of those actors that shows up for an episode or two, you know, in certain shows like Supernatural he showed up in four episodes of that series yeah Alias he was in an episode Without a Trace he was in an episode and that's and that's more than fine you know He's flown uh, under the radar until 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 the People versus O.J. Simpson and I think yeah. what's interesting is he's probably cast in this series um he was definitely cast in this series before that kind of became a huge thing so it's it's interesting with the confluence of events sometimes these actors have this big year where one thing comes out after the other but they couldn't predict either of those things were going to hit so it's just kind of like this crazy windfall for someone like him to not, not suddenly be like a household name hmm. um, in this crazy in two crazy big series that that um everyone was talking about so and uh chrissy metz who plays kate in this uh the first time I saw her, I honestly thought, and this is bad, folks, I honestly thought it was Melissa McCarthy. Oh. No, 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 I'm not saying that to take away from 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 her, from her the actual actress's acting, but I, again, other than the faces that I recognize, like Mandy Moore, like Justin Hartley, like, like Cephas Jones, even though I didn't really remember her right away, like, I honestly thought Melissa McCarthy was doing a serious, serious thing. Um... She's pretty busy, though, man. Like, she's got... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think she has time for this right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chrissy Metz is, is, a, is a beautiful surprise, I think. I yeah, think. Oh, absolutely. She steals the show. She, it's, you know, it's funny, because I could almost say that. I could almost say that about anybody. I feel like one of the things I like about the show is I don't think there are any weak links. Mm -mm. Um, I, I feel like everybody is really stepping up their game all of the performances are great. The relationships are great. Of course, there are definitely weak storylines at times. I mean, you, 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 in a in a series, you're always going to get like part of an episode where you're just like, where are they going with this? But, but the actual uh, actors and you know the the relationships they've established, it, it it's it's pleasantly surprising that there don't seem to be any weak links, at least as far as I'm concerned. And all the guest stars that they've had, and again, this was. Um... This premiered in September of 2016, so it was right before his death, and uh, I really hate it when I see stuff from people who I know are now gone, because it, that that's what emotionally tore me up, and I'm like, oh my god, they put Alan Thicke in this show. Yes. Because he had already passed, and obviously I'm seeing this almost, you know, a full year later, um... Which you know, but you know they they get Brad Garrett for for a cameo as the network guy, and they get Katie Segal, which is awesome and interesting and fun. Um, the overall plot of the show is that 
The way I describe it is it's a time-traveling show without a DeLorean or a police box, essentially. <laughs> well, I'm saying, like, I didn't, I didn't remember that my buddy Jesse said that the way that the story is told, it's told in present. And I didn't remember that when I first went down to, when I, when I, so by the end of the first episode, going into the second episode, I'm like, so the... Two main characters are the parents of the three other main characters. Okay, then, because originally I thought all of these people were going to have one big life event that connected them somehow that was not the fact that they're, you know, the parents of, of the children and vice versa. Well, that's what that's what the trailer led you to believe. The trailer... Uh, I didn't I even see the trailer, so... Right. Well, they kind of played it up like... The, it was very much about, about again, about humanity, about... Who are we? How are we connected? They were asking these kind of big questions, and they they very much um, marketed as this kind of emotional journey that you were going to go on. They didn't quite say, "Hey, there's going to be a twist here," yeah. but you got the idea that something big was going to connect these people. And so, when you were watching it, or at least when I was, without having known this, mm. I was kind of trying to look out for what it was going to be. And I did actually figure it out. Or I thought I had figured it out, and it turned out to be right. Um, probably about two thirds of the way through it occurred to me that I kind of understood what was going on here. Mm. And, and then, of course, it, it did turn out to be the case. I don't know if I would call it a time travel show. Well, you know what I mean. They're going back between the the present and the past. They're... It's a flashback series that has, uh, I would say, it, it's using the flashback in a, in a different way than people have done it in past years. Because I think the flashback has become a little bit overused in some cases. Especially um, Arrow. Well, yeah, Arrow doesn't even need the flashbacks. That drags that whole show down. But, I mean, you know, I guess one of the first shows that I watched that actually did that, that because it was probably Lost. Lost kind of took the idea of, okay, we're taking these people in present time, and, instead of, and, and a good way of digging into them and really getting into the heart of who they are is to have episodes that kind of focus on these flashback moments about them. And then it became a thing that everybody had to do. It was very difficult for people to tell an ensemble story without the requisite flashback section mm. of the story. Um, what I like about this is you're getting all of these different time periods and it, and it, they're all interwoven in a way, even though we're talking past and present and future, not future. Let's okay. It's not, there's no future. We're, we're not yet, no. but it feels like a mosaic of time in one family's life mm-hmm. rather than a straight up flashback. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Because they, the, the way the writing is done and the way the, the, the crafting of, of the flashbacks and, and, and the pre- it's, it's all intermingled into a specific moment in time of each character. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what is just so fun about it. I, you know, and I'm, and I, you know, I, I'm half joking when I say it's a time travel show, but that's the only thing I could think of at the time, because I really, like you said, Every show and its brother uses flashbacks. Like, I think in five seasons, the only flashback on Arrow that I absolutely adored was when they used a flashback for Renee uh, in season five. To I give us. Okay, well, I'm not going to spoil it I for you, but I'm, I wouldn't worry about spoilers on that. <laughs> I'm just saying, instead of doing something with Oliver on the island or wherever, they, they use a part of one of the season five episodes to. Give us a flashback to Renee's uh, wild dog's previous life before he joined up with Team Arrow. Uh, but with This Is Us, I, you know, like I said, going in, I was kind of skeptical, but after I would say probably the middle of the second episode, I was pretty much hooked. 
good. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, took, it took me maybe five minutes and I was like, well, this, <laughs> this show was made for me. This is my, these are my people. This is my show. I knew that from the trailer, to be honest. I, th- unless, I, I thought, unless this show is so badly written that I can't stand it, this is a show that was designed for me completely mm-hmm. designed for me just you know the the uh i love simple shows about what it means to be family that's 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 my bread and butter that's something that draws me in time and time again everwood parenthood the comedies as well especially some of the the um the current comedies like the goldbergs fresh off the boat blackish uh life in pieces these are shows that that touch on that from a more comedic perspective, but I am always drawn in by that and by the relationships that we have in the family units that we have. Um, they just tug on my heartstrings in in the best possible way. So, this delivered on that promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite character uh, in the show at this point? I guess it toggles back and forth a little bit, but I I would say. Um, that it probably would be Randall overall, and that's that's partly because it's Jolene K. Brown and and how much I, I how much I love his performance in the show, but I think his character has gone through maybe the most interesting um, situations and sort of arcs so far, mm-hmm. um, because he he was adopted, mm-hmm. um, and you know reunited with his his birth father. He uh, has sort of been dealing with the dual identity, the fact that he was black growing up in a white family, you know, the fact that that there, there was deception there, um, his mother knowing who his, his real father was the whole time. Um, yeah, there's just, you know, and, and, then, and then he's the only one now really with, with his own family. He's the only one with the wife and the kids yeah. experiencing that at the same time. Like he's got those levels to him. And of course, and the uh, well, actually, I, w- I won't get into that because you haven't gotten there yet. But there's, <laughs> there is, I almost spoiled you. Oh my god! Um, his character gets really interesting, uh, aside from what they've already shown. Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, everything he has gone through from the flashbacks until the present day, throughout the first five episodes, is probably one of, if not the most interesting character arcs in the show to this point for me because like you said and like they even say in the show they 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 make fun of the kid basically by calling him webster yes and wasn't wasn't webster an nbc show (laughs) i could be wrong i don't i don't know yeah i i I don't remember off yeah but it was one of those things where what i liked about it was as his character grew and through the flashbacks, the parents, you know, you're, you're seeing the mother going up to the other African-American lady asking her, adv- like, I thought that whole scene at the pool, I thought that was going to blow up even more than what it had already happened. Um, yeah, they handled that with a lot of of, um, of dignity and kind of subtlety. Like, there, there were moments, but they didn't turn it into this kind of stereotypical... Um, melodramatic thing you know it, it was sort of like a a mini confrontation where uh the mother realized that she should go back and kind of swallow her pride and, and figure out what was best for her son which isn't what a lot of people would do I, I think it was a smart thing to do mm-hmm. um I'd be interested to see you know the writing staff because they're they're tackling some they're definitely tackling the issue of of, of race in this show in a in an inclusive way so it feels like it's about the experience of how we all ex- 
I guess how we all experience race, but you know, this character is living a, a dual um, identity sort of as a, as a black man who grew up in a white family and then rediscovering his, his biological black father and, and, you know, kind of what that means as well. I'd be interesting to see at the writing staff. I hope they've got some, some um, African-Americans on, on, um, on staff who are authentically speaking to that experience. It feels like they do. But again, I, I, I can't say that being a white person, I can't say uh, if it's hitting that mark, but it just, there's something about it to me that feels, um, that feels special about the way they're handling that storyline. And I, I hope it, I hope it rings true um, with the African-American audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the thing with, um, with William and his, that was one of the things that kind of rocked me was us getting to see William's story. Yes. About how he met the girl and who would eventually become Randall's mother. And, you know, that was cool. I thought that was really well done. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Mandy Moore's character does know about him because she saw him at the hospital that day. Uh, and, you know, that the way that whole thing... Uh, comes out is just really really interesting and again it's just very excellent writing um what was the other one uh the uh the other part of the story and with kate's story about being a fat kid and a a fat adult and i'm not saying that to be cruel i am (laughs) somewhere close to 380 so i'm not a skinny guy uh, so it's like, it's one of those things where, and I know a lot of people who are in her type of shoes, a, a good buddy of mine, actually the, uh, the co-creator of this week and Geek, Michael Dodd, he's on his way to losing a bunch of the weight that he has had for years and years and years now. He's doing really, really well. Um, you know, so it's one of those things where I look at that and I see that and I'm like, oh damn, because the emotional charge to her character and her character arc she the way i perceived it was she felt that she couldn't pretty much indulge in anything as far as food goes like she had to always have rice cakes or whatever and she had to do the exercise and you know and she meets toby who i guess eventually becomes her fiance because they don't really get to that point in the first five episodes they're dating um but they don't really get to the whole point of them being a more serious couple yet, um, which I like him. He's funny. He's great. Um, <laughs> I really, I, I really do like, I think the show doesn't shy away from the whole fat issue. And, and I, and I, because oftentimes, you know, whether it's, whether it's fat people or non-fat people are afraid to use the word fat. And it's, and, and only because it's been made, it's turned into such a negative word that, where people are afraid to talk about themselves and what they're experiencing. Um, and I, I like that Kate is sort of like kind of atta- attacking those issues head on. And mm-hmm. we're, we're not making judgments on, on really whether obviously her character at this point is, is saying, I want to lose the weight, but we're not attaching this idea that she necessarily can't be happy if she doesn't, or she is you know less of a person if she doesn't we're kind of attacking the, the issues that go along with dealing with weight and and understanding that it, it's always going to be an issue for people because it's the world they live in and yeah there's some health concerns tied to that as well of course but 
it's more complicated than just fat is bad, lose weight. Like that's not what they're going with. And I, I like, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she even said, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I love Toby. Toby, you know, again, is a, is a bigger guy, fat person. And with him coming into her life, he's trying to show her that, you know, who you are is a beautiful person, whether you're fat, skinny or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because your personality shines through, and he's trying to show her that. And at one point, close to the, I think it's either the end of the fourth or the uh, middle or end of the fifth episode, she says something to him about the fact that her issues with it are never going to go away. Um, and that's that's fine. Her issues don't have to go away. But I think he is there to support her no matter what. And to show her, I think you're right that she's kind of been living with this. You know the toggling between this two idea two ideas of overindulgence and then underindulgence, right? And and the fact that that he can sort of step outside that at times and just be happy, just go dance, just you know have a day where you take someone out and and you're you're just people and you know you're you're just people in love, you're just people dating, you're just people having a good time and sometimes that like you don't have to be stopped from doing those things because of the issues that hold you back in terms of your weight, especially I think he um, brings that out in her and, and lets her see that, which is, which is, it's a good like opening up for her because he's kind of like, yeah, I can, I, I know I need to lose some weight. I'm going to lose some weight, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, he can still put on a flamboyant outfit and go dancing and, and, and doesn't have to feel bad about himself. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's empowering. I think. Oh, absolutely it is. Uh, very much so. Uh, so as I'm going through this, um, I like the, the, this is just a small, silly thing, but the, the big three saying thing that the three of them have, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like their secret handshake. Um, wasn't exactly sure... At the end of the first episode, how, I like I knew how Randall, or well, before that we get to that, Kyle was part of the big three now because it, again, many things going on in this show. One of the things is the fact that uh, Mandy Moore's character she loses one of her triplets during pregnancy, during delivery. Yeah. Um, that whole scene was emotionally charged, and I just I love that doctor. That doctor is awesome. <laughs> Gerald McRaney. I, I mean, you were talking about guest stars. He is my favorite guest star on the show um, because you're right. He he was just kind of this like guy that popped in out of nowhere. He wasn't supposed to be their doctor, and yet he was exactly what they needed. And he was this old school. I mean, old school, I say this because we didn't know at the time that it was a flashback. So he was Mm -hmm. actually in the 70s. (laughs) So he wasn't so much old school as the right appropriate amount of school for the time. Um, But he was he was he he kind of delivered some of the most, um, I guess, profound uh, speeches in the um, in in the in the pilot and uh, and in in the second episode, I believe it was as well. Or was Mm -hmm. it third? Yeah, something like that. He was great, yeah. Yeah, he really, really was. Um, yeah, I mean, that, but the, with that whole scene and then the whole thing with um, with them trying to figure out 
how to because the parents Jack and oh, Rebecca uh, they wanted to name the kids Kevin, Kate, and Kyle. Yeah, they had a boy, girl, boy, and Kyle was a stillborn, so they gave that name to the baby who was left at the fire station. Again, I hadn't realized just yet that this was the same part of the story of Randall. Like, I didn't realize that was going to be Randall at the time. Like, I you thought didn't know that? I didn't get it right away. Supposed to get that like right at the end of the yeah. first episode. Oh, lightning bolt, which. Again, I, I caught, I caught, I about two thirds of the way through. I thought, I feel like I know what's going to happen here. I feel like he's the third kid somehow. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I, I got it. Mm. I, fig- I, I kind of, I feel like, I feel like this is taking place in the past because they're twins and it's their birthday, and somehow that made sense to me, right? Mm. Uh, but I can't believe it. So you kind of, you didn't, you didn't really get the big twist until part way through the second episode. Yeah, it took me a while. <laughs> Hey, it's a lot to take in. Um, so yeah, I, I, I finally got the twist. And then we get to the point where she's like, well, the baby isn't taking to me. The baby isn't doing this. And that's when we see her go off to meet William and talk to him. And that's kind of where we kind of get part of more of his story. And she asks him what was the name of the author, or the name of the poet or whatever it was that he would read to his wife. And he gives her the book by Douglas Randall. And that's where we get the name for for the third child. Um, absolutely enjoyed that. I, again, I, th- I think the, the magical thing about this series is how well the present day and the flashbacks go back and forth. There's a lot of shows out there that do that stuff where, to me, it can be very jarring going back and forth. Yeah, or you just kind of feel like it's filler sometimes. Like you, like the way you said about Arrow, sometimes you're just like, well, you're just doing this because the structure of the show involves flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But is there, is there a real point to these flashbacks? And I, and I think what, with this show, I never feel like it's filler. I feel like it's, it's an organic part of the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, by the time we get to like around episode four, we get the whole plot line of Toby and Kate and she sees him with his ex-wife and that causes her a whole bunch of other issues and the, you know, the, the same issues she's had, but that just, you know, kind of ma- makes them flare up and. Cause, cause she, <sighs> she's a skinny kind of model looking mm. woman and, and Kate just, was taken aback, didn't expect that um, Toby would have dated someone like that. And I think that's part of the, you know, that part of that sort of um, what we built for ourselves culturally, that, that the idea that, okay, well, if you could have something like that, mm. why would you then go backwards to a fat girl? That's how she's feeling, sort of, you know, that idea that um, he couldn't possibly want her if he could get you know, like what for all intents and purposes looks like a a supermodel. Yeah. But that isn't really the point. You know, he, he sees her as something other than just, you know, a fat person. Mm -hmm. And he even tells her close to the end of the episode when they're in bed together, he says, you know, being with my ex was hell. She treated me like crap. Yeah. Um, 
But what I found, my first note when she goes into the store is like, oh, she's going to get in trouble, isn't she? And then comes the scene about, oh, job? Really? Oh, as soon as I saw that, I knew bad things were going to happen. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, I think um, what my favorite part of, of this series throughout the episode so far um, is just been how the siblings relate to each other in various ways. I think that's been, you know, both in the past and in the present, because you're mm. kind of seeing that develop on two levels, which is really interesting. Um, Kevin and Randall, uh, specifically, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been fascinated by it. And you kind of see that there's a little bit of a, a resentment developing in the past, um, you know, because uh, there's sort of a, this sense that maybe Jack and Rebecca pay extra attention to Randall to, you know, Kevin basically points it out in, in the in the episode episode four, I believe, with the pool episode that you yeah, know he nearly drowned. They're too busy, you know, worrying that Kate, worrying about what Kate eats, or worrying about that she's okay with her weight, and worrying that Randall doesn't feel too adopted. And you know, he's kind of this like typical blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, seemingly well-adjusted kid who's never going to have problems being popular and, and whatnot. But that creates like a a different level of anxiety within him and insecurities. And, and, and I think he's still got those as an adult. Um, and, and the way he relates to Randall as an adult is kind of interesting too. Uh, more good stuff comes on that front for sure. Yeah. And then the twins, you know, with Kate and Kevin, you know, I love that Kevin isn't this, you know, he's playing this typical himbo on TV and yes, he's the guy with all of the women who, you know, kind of has this very shallow lifestyle but he's so um, he's so good with his sister. He like she's still the most important thing in his life, and that's kind of like an interesting. You know, he could be the guy that's like ashamed of the overweight sister. You know, but you know he jumps as soon as she calls. You know, to go help her, and he's a hundred percent supportive to her, and he she treats her. You know, with the utmost respect. It, 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 which is an interesting thing, right? You know, like that's yeah. that bond that they have is something that goes beyond the, the shallow confines of his life. Mm. Um, well, the scene where where he goes to New York and he lands and she and Toby are in bed and she kind of jolts up because she felt the plane landing because she, you know, because of the twin connection, whatever else. He's like, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, he's okay. You know, um, and that and that's just is so nice to see Kevin's character. Yeah, you're right. He he seems to be the even though he is the oldest child, he seems to almost have middle child syndrome. Cuz like you said, they're worried about Kate, they're worried about Randall with their their individual issues and they just assume Kevin's going to be normal. Yeah, um, that's a great way to put it. I like that sort of middle child syndrome even though he's not the middle child cuz he is sort of um you expect someone like that to be okay. And in a way, on the surface, he is kind of going to always be okay because he, you know, he's got the looks, he's got the charm, he's got like mm -hmm. people are drawn to him. But you know, there's there's always everyone's got their own their own issues. But mm -hmm. the surface, right? And and his issues honestly stem from the way that he got into the business as an actor for television, like. You know, you talk to any of the classic 80s stars, whether it be Michael J. Fox, whether it be Ricky Schroeder, whether it be, you know, Punky Brewster, 
no pun intended here, folks, but Webster, you know, <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, any of those people will, you know, any of those child stars will tell you that it's a very, very grueling life. And even as an adult where, where, where Kevin is in the business and he's on this show that's this, this weird, whacked out comedy, The Manny. Um, he wants to do more serious stuff. He wants to be taken seriously and they won't, they don't want, you know, they want their formula. They want what, what works. And he goes off on the show and goes to New York and tries to do the, you know, the, the plays and whatever else. And it doesn't really work at first. Uh, Other than the fact that, you know, the casting people called the, called the chick back and said, Oh, they, they, they want you because they think the man he's going to put butts in the seats. Um, and that has nothing to do with his acting ability. And that has to do something to his character of, well, crap, they just want me because I'm quote unquote famous. They don't want me because of the performance I gave. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it is, it's, it's that struggle for sure. And, and just, you know, um, there was a great episode in this bunch. I believe it was episode Four or was it episode five? Which is the one where where he got the he got the family to kind of he was babysitting Randall's kids. Yeah, that's episode five. He was talking yeah. about death. Oh my god, I wanted to kill him at first. But it was because everyone dies, including your mom and dad. I mean, this yeah. conversation is going very badly. But you know, it was interesting that William kind of gave him a bit of a pep talk, and yeah. that he get, he had you know he has that hidden depth, right? He he paints when he gets a new role. He paints what he thinks it looks like what the script feels like to him. And he's a little embarrassed by it. And I think that's because I think when people, if Kevin were to say to somebody, Hey, I'm, I'm painting, they would look at him like, Oh, of course you are. You know, you, it's just one of these little things that pretty people do to try to appear deep, you know, and that's how he feels. He feels like weird talking about something that nobody's going to believe is a real part of himself. And so he shares it with um, his, his nieces uh, mm. Randall's children and, and shows them this painting and, and and of course he kind of gives what is is um, a little bit of a, a metaphor for the series about you know he was painting this this play um, and wh- how he sees the play and he talks about how it's kind of like this interwoven world where everybody plays you know this role in each other's story and it's all interconnected and and that's that's a little bit what this is us is it's it's kind of like that like what he thinks that painting is essentially. Yeah. And that's the, that's the greatest thing about his character is that you think in the first part of that part of episode five, that you think he's going to go down a road that is just so God awful and just the worst explanation ever. And they're going to go back to their parents and they're going to say, Oh my God, uncle Kevin said this and we don't want you to die. And blah, blah, blah. But again, like you said, he gets a pep talk from William and he goes back and he reveals this part of himself that we as the audience had not seen before and they as the characters had not seen before and it makes it better because I swear as, as soon as he started talking about it in that in that first part of the I wanted to kill the guy. <laughs> I really <That's> funny. <laughs> really really did because it is it is a little funny but it's it's so funny that it's beyond awkward and it just made me feel awkward that he's trying to explain his way out of a bag of snakes. Yeah. And he just can't. Well, you know, he is, 
he's he's a, aside from middle child syndrome he's also got man child syndrome too like he's he's 36 they're all 36 that's kind of the the whole point you know that their 36th yeah. birthday when the show starts the same age their their dad was when um jack was when when he had when they were born and when randall was adopted um but uh he he's kind of like the perpetual you know doesn't know how to grow up you know kate sort of took care of him a lot she was his i guess kind of like assistant slash fixer right she just kind of fixed his whole life all the time you know and he had to kind of part with that and then he couldn't stay in a hotel because he didn't like being alone so he ends up in randall's house like he he is kind of like the you know the matthew mcconaughey figure in in some of those rom-coms who you know just doesn't know really how to grow up and how to how to relate in that way so of course you know, dealing with kids, even though they're his relatives, it's like he's like that awkward dude who just doesn't know how to like, you know, have a conversation with with a seven year old that isn't really inappropriate. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you want to talk about inappropriate? Some of William's stories, and when Randall looks at him, or or when the wife looks at him, he's like, "Oh yeah, whoops, I better not say anything about that." Um, I love the father, William. Like, I knew at the end of episode five that obviously he passed. Because the whole point of Randall finding William is that Randall finds out that he has stomach cancer or whatever kind of cancer that he has and he doesn't have that long to live. And so they, the way I viewed it was that they're making the best out of the time that he has left and... By the end of the fifth episode, when he introduces William, he finally is not ashamed to say, oh, this is my biological father. And, you know, he says to Kevin, he goes, oh, well, that's going to, you know, Kevin's like, oh, that's going to be a longer conversation later. Um, you know, yeah. and that's just so great. And that's what makes this show great is how all of this stuff interconnects. And even with, with Toby and Kate in episode five with the whole football thing, and we find out that, you know, Jack, the father, is actually deceased at this point. Cause... Right, because that was a very big... They, they kind of played that out as a mystery throughout mm-hmm. the couple of episodes because, you know, there was, a, there was a bit of a time when I was worried they were going to be like, every episode ends with a twist. Oh, my God, what's really happening? Because, of course, <laughs> the first episode ends with, oh, Randall is actually one... You know, the brother of Kate and um, and Kevin, he's the third triplet who has been adopted but and they're in the past and we're telling these two stories so that's kind of a big twist and then the second episode ended with um mandy moore who is in the present time with some i guess admirable old lady makeup still don't doesn't still doesn't really make her look like an old lady but it's it's about as good as they could do um showing it is nbc after all i mean the peacock can only give so much money so she she shows up to at Randall's house, you know, as his mother to to say hi, and she's with her husband, who is not Jack, but actually mm-hmm. Jack's best friend Miguel, who we've met in the past uh, flashbacks. Um, so that's kind of a twist because we're thinking, okay, where's Jack? Mm-hmm. Did they get divorced? Because there was drama in the um, in the second episode. Jack had a bit of a drinking problem, and yeah. he promised to quit drinking, but then at the end of the second episode, in the present, you know. We know that um, Rebecca is no longer married to him, so you're kind of wondering what happened to him. And they let that play out for a little bit. It seemed like it was going to be longer, where you never saw present Jack, so you didn't know if he existed. You know, was he? Did they get divorced? Did he not speak to his family anymore, or was he? You know, was he dead? Um, mm. And we find out he was dead. He. We don't know how, but we know that 
he did pass away and Kate ha- <laughs> Kate watches football with his ashes every week which is a is, yeah. that's a weird weird thing to do <laughs> yeah, it's funny um, my mom passed away a couple of years ago and I I had her cremated my my plan was to go back home to Massachusetts to spread her ashes you know on the on Plymouth Beach or something like in our hometown things like that yeah. I still have yet to do it and I make the joke, oh, yeah, my mom's in the closet because that's where the box of ashes are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I didn't even – I didn't get an urn. I didn't – like I wanted to celebrate my mom's life life after she passed. I didn't want to focus on the sadness and the tragedy and, and, and the depression that comes with oh, death. Oh, yeah, I hear that. You know. Um, my, grandparents so, are, my grandparents' ashes are in my childhood bedroom, and, and for a while they didn't have an urn for my grandmother. Um, my grandmother had bought this fancy urn for my grandfather when she was still alive, and she passed away, and my parents were still trying to figure out what to put her in. And I, <laughs> I kept forgetting that and opening this box and going, what's, oh, right, ashes, and then closing it. <laughs> <laughs> you have that, you go, you're, like, you're playing around with things. What is this? Oh, right, every time, every time, because it was just like a cardboard box full of ashes. But... Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's 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 um it's just interesting that not only does she have the ashes, but that she sort of puts a base a, a baseball football hat on the ashes mm-hmm. and invites. Well, Toby to... doesn't doesn't Toby do that at the end, or is, does she do that? I can't remember. I, I I thought that she sort of, but she has this ritual where she sort of sits and watches the yeah. football game with her dad's ashes, but. He's he's kind of trying to lighten it a little bit, um, and she wouldn't tell him either. Yeah, which is interesting because you know there's obviously some deeper issues there because you know it's it would have been a simple explanation to kind of just say, well, I want to watch football by myself because I used to watch it with my dad, and it's kind of a like a more of a reflective moment for me, and I just prefer to do it on my own. But she was so secretive about it that of course he's going to be like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. you know he he brings over this buddy of his, and he invites her as well, and you know they basically you know do the the current day technology thing of pausing the TV, and this you know nearly sends her into a seizure. <laughs> but again, no, seriously, she she's just freaking out like she's going to, like her head's going to explode if she cannot watch the Pittsburgh Steelers lose. Steelers lose the New England Patriots. Sorry. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, and you know her character just just kind of freaks out, and then, again, it's showing more of Kate, and that's interesting. And again, you know, you're right. She could have just come out and told him that, but. Would it have made the rest of her part in this story of episode five any better or worse? No, I don't think so. No, I just think that there's clearly um, some pain there. Not, of course, not of course that there's always pain when a parent dies, especially you know with feeling that it's before their time. But it seems as though she, there's something private about that that she's coming to terms with in a way Mm -hmm. that's what i would say it feels like it's there's something um yeah yeah absolutely all right uh what was your favorite moment from the first five episodes any one moment that was just absolutely something you could go back and watch 
Oh, God, that's so tough. Because I'm thinking of all the moments from the subsequent episodes now that I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> oh, God, what was my favorite moment? Oh, I'm trying to look, look what, what was not in there. It's so because they all bleed together for me. Uh, so much so that it, especially with the timelines, right? Like it becomes this sort of mosaic that I, I remember bits and pieces from. What would be the, the number one out of the first five? Hmm. Ooh, that's tough. I'm thinking about it. What was yours? Because you just okay. you just watch them and and they're they're all you got. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, for me, it probably has to be. Honestly, it has to be William's part of the story. His entire arc of, you know, meeting the girl, you know, dating, getting getting the kid, and then obviously leaving Randall at the fire station. Because I wasn't sure how much of Randall... Again, I was new, newly watching the show. Was not sure how much of Randall's backstory. I was still kind of feeling the writing out and things like that. But just seeing that whole bus story, I, I think that would probably have to be mine. Um, my favorite character out of the show so far, honestly, it has to be Toby. Yeah. Because the guy, yeah, he he can go from being funny and cool to being serious. Like, I was not expecting him to not necessarily break down, but get all serious about his ex and just that revelation of how horribly she treated him. I was because you know as I said in the beginning he's you know this guy that always cracks jokes and as we all know when most of us crack jokes it's to hide whatever scars we we don't want to talk about yeah and I think he's one of those those types of characters that he will always you know make a joke first before he then reveals to anyone whether it's Kate or whomever you know the actual issue that he's facing yeah. Yeah, you know, he's just the kind of person that it takes slightly longer to break through that that um, lighthearted facade because he chooses to live in a certain way, but there's clearly, um, yeah, there's clearly this kind of hidden side as well, or this 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 less uh, less happy side. You know, I, I mean that that's a that's a a face that he puts on, which is positive and negative. I think it's it's positive in that. He genuinely does, I think, try to, to suck the marrow out of life and live, be, live it to the best of his ability. Um, but sometimes people that are that goofy, that happy, that kind of, you know, uh, quippy have an even bigger, darker side, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like it's a bit of it, maybe it's a bit of extreme, I think. Be interesting. Yeah, the, the problem with sucking the marrow out of the life is sometimes you choke on the bone. Oh, how did I know you were going to go there? <laughs> hey, Dead Poet Society. How do you not know Dead Poet Society? I know I mean, Dead Poet Society. You know, you know phone call from God. If it had been collected, it would have been daring. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think my favorite moments of the first five episodes would be in flashbacks. I think there's a couple of, you know, the stuff with the, that, that speech actually that, that Dr. K gives to Jack in the first episode about how he and his wife lost a child and they grieved it for years and, and, and telling him to kind of, you know, it's like that painful way of making the best out of a bad situation. And, and, and then, and then that look on his face, um, Jack's face when he's sort of, at the uh, I, I keep whatever you call it, the observer observatory the baby observatory <laughs> <laughs> when, he's so, 
where they, you know, they look at the babies and the... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that exists in real hospitals. I feel like that's just designed for television. I don't know. Um, but, you know, he's sitting there looking at, at Kate and Kevin, and he's standing beside the fireman, and the fireman just says, you know, oh, I, I just dropped this. Well, this one was dropped off at my station. Um, and that and that that realization that you see him coming to, I think, is one of my favorite moments because it, it just sort of he's looking at these children and seeing them together and, um those are the moments that shape that like just that, you know, if he had been in a different mood that day, if he hadn't had that pep talk, if anything different had happened, you know, would he even have gone there and looked at Randall and thought, you know, maybe this is fate. It's just those, those little moments fascinate me. I think, I think those, yeah, those just the moments that changed everyone's trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that that is just so, so fun. Uh, and you know, I am going to be sticking with the series. I know, I know it's got picked up through the third season. So I'm wondering how, like the way, according to, I'm just basing this off of memory. According to what I read on Wikipedia, the show generally takes place in the year 1980 and then the late eighties. And then obviously 2016, 2017, so I'm wondering how much else is the back st- is 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 the flashback going to cover? Like well, we see that it's covering their their younger years, their 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 kid years, but what else is that going to do for the show? So many things so mm. far, and it's only been 18 episodes because it just it just so I already know some stuff, but I. I <laughs> But uh, I will say that the flashbacks, um, they do some really inventive things with the, with the stories they chose to tell. I will say that, so they don't, one thing I can't, which I don't think is a super spoiler, just that the, right now there's seem, in terms of the lives of the kids, there seem to be sort of two years. There's the years when they were probably around eight or nine, and then they, they have the years when they were, um, I, I want to say like 16. So that, that, okay. that comes into it. So there's, there's some like flash, so that would be the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then aside from that, there's some really clever ways that they draw, um, all of these characters into it. We already saw in episode five that they were flashing back to, you know, Jack and Rebecca pre preconception, <laughs> pre, yes. uh, you know, the night married. of conception actually. Yes. Yes. But they're married <laughs> before and, and that's, that's a possibility for mining later. And, and then you saw, of course they, they flashed back, um, uh, to, to Williams, life to tell his story uh mm. you know in that beautiful montage of, of the bus and sort of what happened um um that led to him giving randall up at the fire station that day they do some things that are similar that i that i, I won't reveal but but I, I can only imagine how much there is to mine you know at first after the second episode when it ended with mandy moore and miguel showing mm-hmm. up uh, as a couple, I was a little bit like, oh, is every episode going to kind of be like a holy crap moment? Because that <laughs> made me feel like it's really difficult to come up with those. And sooner or later, they're going to be stupid, you know, yeah. like, but they, they didn't do that. They kind of, they kind of shied away from that a little bit. I mean, even, yeah, it was a bit of a twist at the end of episode five, revealing that Jack was dead, but it wasn't, it wasn't so much a, like a shock. Cause you kind of knew something's not right here, you know, we don't know where this guy is. Um, they're not making it so gotcha as they were in the very beginning. And, and after I've, having seen what they did in the first season with, with, with timelines and, um, you know, with these flashbacks and all these different stories, I mean, 
they do some really, really cool things. I don't think there's a limit to, to how much they can mine out of, um, you know, essentially what there's 36 years and, and earlier than that, um, to really tell all kinds of stories uh, of any of the people that kind of end up in this family unit in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am looking forward to watching the rest of season one. Um, I'll probably be doing that when I'm a little bit more awake, but you know, it's one of those things where, you know, so far I, I did really enjoy the show. And again, I've, I've gotten over my whole thing of, oh my God, everybody's watching this. Oh my God, everybody's talking about this. Oh my God, just go away. Because now that I've actually tried the show, I enjoy it. Am I going to be rant, ranting and raving about the show on Twitter and Facebook all the time? No, probably not. I'll say a few things here and there. But, you know, um, I did very, very much enjoy it. And we will probably do a season pass, which is basically come back and talk about the whole season. You know, all the storylines uh, at some point or another. I don't know when that's going to be, but... Uh, before we get out of here, why don't you tell the people where they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Kit Couch Potato. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's the primary, uh, place to, to track me down these days. Michael Knight sold separately. What? Michael Knight sold separately. Oh, I got it. You know what? It, <laughs> it actually, it was supposed to be Kitchen Couch Potato and yeah. it wouldn't fit. So yeah, it wouldn't fit. Damn that Twitter. My first name is Kit. That's not what I intended, <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Why don't you also tell people about your uh, Married Life uh, Year One project as well? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's, that's something that you won't see on Twitter, but if you if you do follow me on Instagram, you'll be able to check it out. It's also uh, at Kit Couch Potato on Instagram. And uh, so I got married in December. And, um, you know, that happens. It's not, it's not incredibly exciting. It's just sort of the cycle of life. Um, but everyone always asks you when you get married, sort of, hey, what's it like to be married? As though, you know, your world turns upside down. And to be fair, that probably happened when you were sold by your dad and a couple of cows <laughs> in the <laughs> marriage. It was probably a big shock to the system. Um, but, you know, I was already living with my husband. Our lives were kind of already set up. So nothing much changes, but I kind of got the idea to... to post one picture a day, either that I take or that I source that kind of represents my life in that day um, for a year. So it's married life year one. And the idea is to kind of capture the little moments and to, for me to make me remember the little moments of my first year as a married woman to kind of give it that special flair. And it, it lets me do what I like to call micro writing, which is just a little bit of, um, you know, these miniature tales of what I'm up to that day. And, and it's like, it's kind of a way to flex your creative juices uh, in a, in a small form every day and, and feel like you're, uh, you're cognizant of that. So it's, it's been fun. You'll probably see a lot of pictures of food. Uh, my little mini schnauzer that, uh, uh I watch and, um, occasionally my husband. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite one to this point is the fact that he knows nothing about the Archie characters. Yeah, there was an <laughs> debate about, I tried to turn on Riverdale, and uh, I said, oh, it's just like a dark version of Archie, and it turned into, huh? What? Who? You know, Archie, Archie Comics. No idea. Blank. I, I nearly, that was, yeah. That, it's grounds for divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got through it. He still doesn't really get it. Luckily, Riverdale wasn't that good, so we, we don't have to talk about it. Oh, anymore. come on. You like it? You like Riverdale? 
Yeah, it's for a CW show. It's better than most of the stuff they've put on there in the past ten years. Oh, I think we're gonna have, to have a little discussion about the CW because some of my favorite shows are on the CW, and they're not the ones with the superheroes. Jane the Virgin, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, two of the top shows on television these days. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the older stuff, like the stuff that was up against Buffy and Angel and whatever. Like, yeah, Super before Girl, Everwood, some classic stuff like that. I'm trying to think of what else. That Gilmore Girls, those are classic. Classic. Mm. That's WB. You know that uh, Supernatural survives. It, it predates the CW. Supernatural debuted on the yeah. WB in 2005. And the fall of 2005, and it is still running. And so CW didn't start till the following fall, 2006. Yeah. The only show to make that jump. And so, of course, it was only in its first year, but still crazy. And it's and it's uh, it's still going. It shows no signs of slowing down. That show still gets some of the best ratings on the CW. Not that that's saying a lot. The CW doesn't have a lot of highly rated shows, but... <laughs> Other than the superhero shows at this point. Um, then, like, no, Arrow's I mean, not. The Flash does very, very well for them. Arrow's kind of slipped and Supergirl's, you know, it's okay. But yeah. it's pretty It's pretty impressive. Well, it, yeah, it, it's better than Supergirl being stuck on, you know, a barren planet known as CBS. Because I'm sorry, that was just the weird. I'm like, why is this not on the CW? And thankfully it, it now is. Yeah. Uh, it but weird. it's one of those things with Riverdale. I like the characters. I think it's fun and, and interesting seeing different versions of those classic Archie characters. And honestly, for me, and I know this is, is horrible. <laughs> I know it's horrible. But... Oh my god, Cole Sprouse is actually acting again. The last time I saw him in anything was the Sweet Life st- uh, series on Disney Channel. <laughs> I only watched the first episode. What is he? Is he, is he in it? What is he doing? Yeah, he uh, he's Jughead. Oh, crap, yeah. Yeah, so, so Cody Cody from Zack and Cody is, is Jughead. Wasn't he also Ross's kid in Friends? Uh, uh, he might have been, but they were the kid in, they were Sandler's kid in Big Daddy. They were the twins that yeah, went I back and forth. Also, uh, the twins played, played Ross's kid, Ben, on, on Friends, I think. Like, three. That, that could be. I, I was yeah, more of a Seinfeld watcher. You know, Riverdale, I guess the thing for me is, I was interested by, like, oh, look what they did with this character. Look what they did with this character. But when I step back and I think, if this show weren't about Archie, if this was just a bunch of people... It would be so terrible that I don't know. Like the only the only interesting thing they've got going for it is that it's a new twist on Archie. But other than that, like the writing is pretty bad. The, you know, and and the whole Miss Grundy thing, like that was that's not. Good. Yeah, that that was a little bad. Yeah, so. well, I mean, come on, Dawson's Creek already went there with the with the Pacey in the in the nineties. I mean, hot for teacher is not exactly a new plot line. Um, it's only funny because you're like, oh, she's supposed to be so old with the bun. <laughs> It it really works on the level that you ju- that they're just they're just flipping the characters and you're getting so much enjoyment out of seeing something different that's in the co- in, than in the comics and that's what makes yeah. it entertaining. But it doesn't have my I, I I'm gonna keep watching it a little bit because uh, I only watched the first episode. I'll binge some of it on on uh, it's on Netflix here in Canada. So most of the CW shows are actually except for the. Um, superhero ones air they they're bought by a, a major channel here so we don't get those uh mm. we, we get them on regular tv but we don't get them on this on uh netflix yeah all right folks uh join us next time when uh 
My buddy Art Danner will be here, and surprise, surprise, we're going to be talking about the first five episodes of Riverdale. <laughs> so, because honestly, seriously, I'm I'm not exactly like Jordan, your husband, but I have I know of the Archie characters. I know of the basic Archie archetype, but where most of my Archie knowledge comes in from is you know Hooper X from Chasing Amy arguing with Banky. Yes. About about the Archie comics, you know. Well, that's the thing. You don't have to know the whole plot, but it's like it's like if I just didn't know like who yeah who gi joe was or who like you know i don't know anything about the world but you know you can't escape the the reference right come on exactly (laughs) (sighs) all right folks we're gonna get out of here we will catch you next time here on remote control Control. There are several ways to get in contact with us and leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com. You can email us, feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can leave us feedback in iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio. You can become a fan of us on Facebook by searching Geekcast Radio Network. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you're leaving the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Remote Control and wish that you'll tune in next time to hear what TV topic we'll be talking about. Get those remotes ready because we are all remote controlled. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.